Led Zeppelin with Traveling Riverside Blues off the Coda record. It was a B-side uh, and an amazing song that you just don't get to uh, hear that much. But anyway, welcome to MMA BJJ and Life. I'm your host, DJ San Marco. You can find us on Twitter at MMA underscore BJJ underscore and Life. Please tweet me, DJ San Marco 1. That's DJ S-A-N-M-A-R. CO1. If you have any comments about the show, you want to tell me how terrible I am um, or what I need to improve, or maybe tell me that it's not too bad. Uh, I appreciate all those comments. So, uh, welcome back to the show. Uh, this is going to be a quick one here. I'm not going to do uh, too much into UFC Singapore. There was not anything there that was terribly exciting to me. Oh, that was my cat just knocked over something uh, but anyway um, there's nothing anything terribly exciting there to me apart from uh, Colby Covington um, I'm really really when I see a guy with that kind of a skill set I get very interested in in what that portends for the future because that kind of a guy is a guy that can be super duper duper successful in the UFC because he can control the action you know, it's, it's still, you know, it's still a wrestler's game. Um, if he can defend submissions and uh, he's not going to get eaten up on the feet, it's it's largely still, you know, if you look at um, the top guys in the UFC right now, you look at John Jones, you look at Cormier, you look at Tony Ferguson, you look at Khabib, you look at DJ, you look at um, both Cody and TJ. And you're looking at a group of guys who all have a strong wrestling background. And that is something that still dominates in MMA. And it's something that you need to be aware of. And something I was not aware of and not really tuned into when I picked uh, Yair Rodriguez to be the savior of the world. Uh, that, you know, you guys will probably never let me forget that. But, um, yeah, it was something I really didn't take into account. And we'll get into that here in a minute because part of what I'm going to talk about today, I'm going to go after Brendan Schaub a little bit. Um, and we're going to talk about that and what his predictions are relative to uh, Mayweather and, um, and uh, Conor McGregor, uh, that which everybody in the sport of MMA is talking about nearly exclusively. Um, and, in fact, I'm going to see if I can... Google what his bet was with Matt, uh, um, with uh, uh, Max Kellerman of ESPN. Let's see, Brendan Shaw bet with Max. Let's see if that comes up. Uh, there it is. Yeah, it comes up. He's offering a hundred thousand dollar bet against Max Kellerman to I think to land a punch and to win a round so there we go I'm not a big fan of so this is going to be really cool to see matter of fact we'll bet 100k on not only will he land a punch but he will win rounds rounds meaning plural so if um, if he wins more if Max accepts this bet and Connor wins more than two rounds he's going to owe him um, 100k uh, and if he doesn't win any rounds, um, then <laughs> maybe Max wins. I don't know. It's kind of a weird bet because it's kind of a two-stage bet. Anyway, 
Um, before I get into that, though, uh, there's something much more important that happened, and it's the death of former UFC veteran and current boxer in Tim Haig. Um, he was a heavyweight, um, and he was a Canadian guy. He was actually, at one point, he was an elementary school teacher. Um, he experienced four KOs in his last four MMA bouts. Um, he had had one. He was one and two in boxing, one KO in boxing, and then the one that happened on Friday, which led to his hospitalization and, and his death. And um, I want to say that I'm really sad uh, about this, and this is where I'm going to praise people like Brendan Schaub and like um, Joe Rogan, um, and, and later on, I, I may not be praising them, but I'm going to praise them right now because they talk a lot about traumatic brain injury and the effects that that has. And that when guys are getting knocked out and knocked out and knocked out, as Arlovsky was, it's something you really need to look at and you really need to say, you know what, I really don't need the limelight that bad. And especially when you're somebody of the obvious talent that Tim Haig had, if he was, you know, graduated for uh, college with a degree in elementary education and then was actually teaching, he's worth a lot more to the world in other capacities than perhaps he ever would have been as a prize fighter, be it in MMA or boxing. And I feel very, very sad about his death. Um, and what's to follow this is Matt Hughes. And um, so... You know, just to wrap up, you know, it's just terrible. And I think if, if you are a professional fighter these days in any organization, you really need to look at and listen to when somebody like Brendan Schaub or Joe Rogan is telling you, you know, if you've been knocked out a bunch, it's time to get out of the game. There are other ways to make a living. Um, not all of them are the most glamorous. Uh, I've done a lot of jobs in my life that aren't as glamorous and some that I thought were really glamorous. Um, and... You know what? Nothing is worth what happened to Tim Haig, no matter how great it is. And he's a man of obvious talent. So I feel really bad about that. And um, it's, it's something that I really hope fighters take a look at. And when we, you know, media starts saying, you know, maybe you should retire. It's not that we're trying to get into your business. It's that we want to see you continue as a human being. And we can still interact with you on social media and you don't have to have as many followers and as many likes and mentions and all that crap. That's not how you validate yourself. And, um, and we love what you guys do for us and do in the cage and we'd love you to go on living without uh, um, you know, some sort of a brain injury that could at worst lead to your death as it has to in this proud warrior and somebody that... Um, you know, we'll remember, but somebody that we, at 34, had a lot of life to live, uh, left to live, so, um, rest in peace, Tim Hagen, you know, sorry, uh, really, really sad to, to hear this news, um, or that this happened to you. Matt Hughes, uh, former welterweight champion in the UFC, UFC legend, Hall of Famer, um, ran into a train somehow, went um, over a railroad crossing and was struck by a train and I'm not going to sit here and speculate how that happened and what might have led up to that but he obviously crossed the train tracks um, and and for some reason the train hit him 
and Matt is physically, they said he is not internally injured. There's nothing physically wrong with him that's not recoverable. He's okay, other than the fact that he is not awake. So, um, very sad, and hopefully that uh, the champ, uh, who has uh, recently been fired by the UFC within the last year as one of their talent um, managers, or I should say, I don't know, he was some sort of a, um, I guess he was a manager of talent and was involved in the last retreat that they had, etc. Not this one, obviously this year, but in the past. So I hope the Champa is able to recover and realize the rest of his life, which is to be long because he's still a fairly young man. All right, uh, moving along with um, with uh, the, the the real genesis of of uh, the show today, other than to memorialize some of the uh, these the fighters who are um, who passed away and and uh, who are struggling with his life, is uh, I was stricken, you know, at uh, of a couple things over the weekend. So one of them was, and I don't know if I think I talked about this on the the last show I think I talked about Ariel so I'm going to move on to with his feelings about the Conor McGregor and Mayweather fight and how it was more exciting to him than MMA which made me want to question whether he's really an MMA fan but I'm going to move on to someone who's a big MMA fan and he's Brendan Schaub and let me set the stage for you about how I feel about Brendan Schaub and the only reason you're really going to care about that is because this is not something where I want to come on and take on a guy who is a super popular former UFC, you know, top 10 heavyweight fighter, you know, not quite title contender, but pretty close in Brendan Schaub. Because this is how we feel about Schaub. When Schaub... I was so happy to hear that he had listened to Joe Rogan when he told him that he was getting knocked out when Travis Brown had mounted him on the back and was nailing him in the side of the head and TKO'd him. And and it was, uh, you know, Joe Rogan basically said, I, I, I don't see you as a guy that needs to continue in the game. I don't see you ever beating like a Cain Vlad, all these kinds of things. And thankfully, Schaub listened to him. He said, you're a talented funny guy and let me tell you I find Brendan Schaub to be funny enough that my wife and I drove to Hollywood just to watch him do his comedy sketch and I've actually want to go and see him do his live show either with Brian or the Big Brown Breakdown I think the guy is great I think he's funny I think he's witty I think he's super talented and and I'm so happy that he's able to make himself a really, really good living outside of fighting. Um, and I'm thrilled for him. And he's not even thinking about coming back and fighting. Someone would have to pay him stupid amounts of money to do so. Here's what I do have an issue with and that I want to be a little bit critical of. And you may have heard me talk about these things on the show. And it, it goes back to the reason I'm talking about this is because... He is purporting Conor McGregor to be some sort of a world beater who's going to go in there and shock Floyd Mayweather, who is obviously a 49-0 boxer. Conor has never boxed professionally, although I've said, and if you read my social media, 
every boxer, excuse me, every MMA fighter trains boxing. So if you are one of these guys on Twitter comparing Michael Phelps and Usain Bolt, you're an idiot because it's not the same thing because Usain Bolt may or may not even swim. And if he does swim, certainly he's not a competitive swimmer of any sort. Um, when you compare Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather, they both have skill in boxing. It's just that one is astronomically greater than the other by virtue of the fact that that's all he's trained since he's like three or six years old, whatever the hell it was when he started boxing. Um, Conor McGregor and every other MMA fighter to one degree or another is boxing, is training boxing, is hitting mitts, knows how to throw punches. So there is that. And I've said it before, from the day they started talking about the fight until now, Connor has a puncher's chance of winning this fight. Do I think he's going to win? No, I don't. Do I think he's going to win a round or not? I don't know. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. He has a chance because he hits really hard. He has a great left hand. And if he is able to land that flush, and it could happen, it's possible that it could happen, he could win. But I highly doubt it. For somebody like Max Kellerman to come out and say he won't even land a punch on Floyd Mayweather and things like this is stupid. I mean, he doesn't know that. But if you're Brendan Schaub and you're watching First Take or something, don't you get it? The whole nature of the show is being hyperbolic. That's the whole show is one of them makes a hyperbolic statement to the other, and then one gets indignant, and then he makes a hyperbolic statement back, and then the other one gets indignant, and then they go on like that for two or three hours. That is what First Take is. That's what they do on ESPN and all these dumb shows where they will take a position just to be a contrarian, just to fit the script of the show, whether or not how much belief they have in it or not. That's why you don't really need to watch it all the time, because... It may or may not be totally truthful. The, the object of the freaking show is to argue. So, of course, Max is going to make a statement like that so that somebody else can make a statement back. That's the stuff, What that's what he's being paid to do. So, Shab, the king of hyperbole, relative to Ronda Rousey, he pulled the same shtick a couple of years ago. And if you guys want to look it up, you can look up his comments about Ronda Rousey. She can beat 135-pound men. Do you remember that? She can beat Ian McGregor. Excuse me. Now I'm Ian McGregor. I have McGregor on the brain. She could beat Ian McCall in a grappling match. Deanne said, I don't think she could beat me. Oh, I think you'd be surprised, said Schaub. Really? How do you know that? How do you know she beat 135-pound men? You going to throw her in there with Barao? Who are you throwing her in there with? With Aljamain Sterling? Or Misha Tate's boyfriend, Brian? You going to throw him in there with him? Caraway? Come on. This is what got him in trouble the last time. When asked on his show, his, his show, by his partner, Brian, can anybody beat Ronda? Nope. None of these girls can beat Ronda, he's quoted as saying. She will retire undefeated. Quote. These none of these girls are on her level. You know, she's an Olympic athlete. They can't get to her level. 
These are a bunch of girls that start out taking box and burn type classes. You know, that's all the stuff he said. Now let's trans over to, to his, his friend, Joe Rogan. It's not best ever. It's, the, it's not the best now or something. It's the best in human history. She's the greatest in human history. So that goes all the way back to the Vikings and, and to every female warrior that's ever been. Ronda Rousey's the greatest. Because she beat, you know, five or six good fighters in the UFC. Good fighters, not great, great fighters. Or fighters that made big mistakes like Katz and Gano did. But not talking about beating someone on the level of, obviously, Amanda Nunes. Or obviously not Holly Holm. I'm not sure she would beat um, Roxanne, or help me out now, uh, Raquel Pennington right now. Rocky Pennington. So... The point of it is, is he went out there. Nobody could beat her. It was she was going to retire undefeated. None of these girls are on her level. You don't understand. She could beat 135 pound guys. She could beat Ian McCall in grappling, and dominate him. Okay, then she gets head kick KO'd, and then the next fight, she ends and and yet nothing. After she got head kick knocked out, completely dominated. By Holly Holm. She had almost no seconds of success in that fight. Almost no seconds. Certainly not a minute of success in that fight before she got knocked out. What do you say now, Shab? What do you got? You said she's never going to lose. She could beat 135-pound men, which we didn't name who they were. She could beat Ian McCall and grappling. And now she's not even fighting. Then she comes back. They put her against the champion. She has some sort of hidden camp. And I'm not trying to pick on Ronda Rousey. She was a, she's a great fighter. She is, has a great talent. But to say things like nobody can beat her. None of these girls are on her level. She would have beat Cyborg. Oh, never came back with a mea culpa. And said anything about what they built up about her. And now he's doing the exact same thing with Conor McGregor. And it's just like. What I'm trying to say to this man on Twitter is, calm down, dude. You don't have to do this, man. Just say, you know what? They're not giving Connor a chance, and it's to their own detriment if they do. Because he's a great athlete. He's a great fighter. There's no two ways about that. There's no argument, and it is possible he could catch Floyd. That's all you need to say. Not, he's going to win rounds, he's the A-side, he's this. If he was the A-side, he wouldn't need Floyd. Right? He would have just said, I'm setting the terms, Floyd's going to agree, and that's going to be the end of it. But he didn't, because he's not. Floyd's the A-side. He's the one who dictated the terms. Otherwise, hell, we'd have Connor, we'd have four-ounce gloves, we'd have it in a UFC cage, Lloyd, uh, uh, Floyd wouldn't be able to use the ropes, wouldn't be able to lean back, wouldn't be able to bounce off the ropes. He'd be against a fence that has very little flexibility, wouldn't be able to dip his head over it, and it would change his entire game. And then Connor would have a much, much better chance. But boxing rules, 10 rounds in a boxing ring, 10-ounce gloves instead of 8-ounce uh, gloves. So... Everything or six out, whatever it would have been, everything worked in the favor of Floyd because he's the A side. That's why. 
all the terms went to what he wanted. Otherwise, we could have had this in we could have had this in the cage with boxing rules, right? Okay. So, regardless, I don't want to argue who's the A side and B side because it's just esoteric bullshit. It doesn't matter. It's it's semantics. Who cares? The main part of it is what I'm trying to bring up. And I'm not sitting here trying to tell you that I don't try to make predictions. I do. If you go back to my podcasts in like 2010, I was making predictions about John Jones. I knew he would be the champion. I knew he was going to beat everybody. I knew that he was going to smash Shogun. There was not a second of doubt in my mind. I knew that he was levels above. And there were people that actually, I'm talking major MMA figures, pride will never die type guys that were not sure he was going to beat Shogun. I'm like, you're totally off your fucking rocker. You're totally out of your mind. There's no way he has nothing for Mauricio Shogun Hua. Nothing. Excuse me, uh, Hua has nothing for him. And that was and that was born out there. I mean, he dominated him, and he would beat him even worse today. So, um, I like to make predictions. I like to predict that Khabib was going to someday be champion. It hasn't come true yet, but I'll tell you what. Nobody has won a round against Khabib or had any success against Khabib at all. Um, so we'll see, but now with Tony Ferguson in the mix, I could be wrong, but I made that prediction when he, when he just destroyed Kamal Shalarus, who himself was an Olympic wrestler. Um, and so here's where I failed. I made that prediction about, um, as you know, my mea culpa episode from a few weeks ago, I made this prediction about Yair Rodriguez. I Loved what he was doing, how explosive he was, the amount of kicks that he could pile on you and what he could do. And boy, Frankie Edgar just ruined it because I really did not take into account that Yair had not shown us a real wrestling and a real submission grappling type of a game. And I was proven wrong. And you can never lay the mantle of somebody that this guy has championship caliber potential if he cannot a take people down or b keep himself from being taken down now you say up oh, you're full of crap dj let me put that let's put that to the test anderson silva very few people have taken down anderson and very few people have held down anderson the amount of people that have taken him down dan henderson i think got one takedown he ended up getting swept and then um Anderson hit him with a punch when Dan was in guard and Dan, and about knocked him out right there. Then he took his back and choked him out. Um, Anderson, uh, Chael took him down and was within seconds of beating him until he got triangled into next week. Um, Jose Aldo, almost nobody has gotten a takedown and held him down save for Mark Hominick in round five after another failed Pedneros weight cut. Um, George St. Pierre took everybody else down. Uh, Dan Cormier has won every fight where he's been able to consistently take people down. And the one he didn't win with John Jones is the one where John Jones got more takedowns on him than he got on John. So you can go on and on and on down the line. DJ has gotten, he was, you know, uh, uh, Tim Elliott was doing very, very well against Demetrius Johnson until Demetrius started piling up takedown after takedown after takedown, ducking under Tim Elliott and just wore him out. 
Um, Cody Garbrandt, okay, um, hasn't taken people down, but guess what? Nobody's taken him down either. Um, very, very good at sprawling. Dominic tried and was not able to hold uh, Cody Garbrandt down for even a second. Before him, TJ Dillashaw, great wrestler, just absolutely destroy guys with takedowns and in ground and pound as well. Um, just killed Lineker like that, um, and Barrao, he didn't even need to. But um, So there's my point. So you cannot pick somebody to be a champion unless they are proven that they can either take people down when they want to or not be taken down. For any reigning champion, i.e. Cain Velasquez, that's why it's still a little bit unclear about Stipe, and I love Stipe Miocic, and I don't want any of my Cleveland people to be angry with me, but until he faces someone with the wrestling and grappling of a Cain Velasquez or a uh, Fabricio Verdun, we're not going to know for sure, because thus far, everybody has wanted to stand with him, and he has not faced a dominant wrestler yet. He himself has a wrestling background, but there are better wrestlers in the heavyweight division than he is, so we'll see. So anyway, uh, but he's pretty good at stopping takedowns. He has a nice sprawl. He's super athletic. So my thing holds true. I did not apply that logic correctly when I picked Yair Rodriguez and Frankie Edgar and his game plan and his skills made me look like a damn fool. So that's my problem. I deserve it. Um, so anyway, I will, I will come and tell you when I screw up and when I'm wrong and I will admit it. What pissed me off to no end and pisses me off to this day is that Joe Rogan, who is a massive figure, a guy who I admire, a guy I wish I was as intelligent and well-read as he is, and I wish I was funny as Brendan Schaub is, etc., etc. Not saying I'm jealous. In, in reality, I don't choose, you know, really want to be somebody else. But I have great respect and regard for both of those guys. They never came out and said, I was wrong. I built up expectations and I shouldn't have. They never came out and said that. They just let it hang there. And that is something that I don't respect. And something I think is complete and utter BS. If you're wrong, if you lead people astray in something, if you make these bold predictions and they come true, you know you're going to toot your own horn. So when you're wrong, come out and say, I was wrong. Is that so hard? Because Shab hasn't said shit. Or as the Brits would say, he hasn't said fuck all about his Rousey predictions. And what he thought, all he does, anybody can criticize her now, Shab. Anybody can say, oh, well, you know, gee, she didn't do as well. She can't take a punch. Yeah, we can all see that now. What we're talking about is what you said before the fight. That none of these girls can beat her. None of them are on her level. Nobody can grapple with her. She can beat men. Go speak to that. Let me hear what you think about that. Say you were wrong to your audience. Instead of trying to fucking blow it off and critique and analyze Edmund and the people around her and everything that's everybody else's fault. The bottom line is you're wrong. So just own up to it. That's what people respect. When you own up to it. When you're wrong and you say, I was wrong. Can you do that? <laughs> 
because now you're applying the same hyperbole to McGregor, and if he does get eaten alive by uh, Floyd Mayweather and experiences no success and is knocked out or whatever happens in there, and granted, of course, the guy's 40 years old or whatever he is, maybe 41, um, that might not happen. McGregor's 28. But if it happens, what are you going to say then? Uh, yeah, yeah, Floyd was too good. So there's no reason to act a fool and make hyperbolic statements. Is it annoying that the mainstream media and boxing media don't respect McGregor? Sure, it is. I don't, and I don't know anywhere near about anything about boxing compared with what you do. And I'm not trying to paint myself here as some expert in boxing. I'm a guy who knows a little bit about MMA. That's about it. I'm not trying to paint myself as some expert in striking or boxing. I don't think uh, that uh, McGregor is going to be successful. I don't think he's going to win. I'm not sure he'll win a round, but certainly he'll probably land some punches, and it is possible that if he does land some punches, he could knock him out. It's possible. So let's, let's leave that open, and he could shock the world. The guy's a lot older. It's not like the guy's in his prime. It's not like McGregor's taking on Triple G or something like that, okay? So, um, you know, we don't even really have to go back that far to find when he was made to look like a fool with his on his own show again with Brian Callen. And I agree. I thought, I don't remember actually what my pick was for McGregor Diaz, so I'll just leave myself out of it. But when they were picking McGregor Diaz 1, Brian Callen said, I'm going to pick Nate Diaz. And Brendan said, why? And he said, because he's the bigger, stronger, heavier man. He hits harder. And I don't think Connor's... No, it's not about that, B. It's not about that, said Brendan. Nope. It's about skill. You don't understand the skill that Connor has and what he can do. And you don't get it, man. What ended up happening... He was the bigger, stronger man, just like he said, and he ended up owning Connor uh, in that fight and hit him so hard that Connor shot a takedown in a in a an act of desperation. Of course, he doesn't shoot takedowns, but he was hit really hard. He was really tired. He had punched himself out. His conditioning wasn't there, though. Nate was the one who took the fight on uh, whatever it was, ten days' notice. He didn't even have a camp. Um, he was drinking in Mexico when he got the call for this thing. So, and Nate came out there and boxed him up pretty good. And when Tonner got tired, he was done. And Nate hit him really hard. He shot a takedown. Then he got his back taken and he got choked out. Whatever. So, it happened. Connor proved what a, a champion uh, fighter he is. Came back. No, I want the same weight. I wanted 170 pounds. And he ends up beating Nate in a pretty close decision where he ended up having to have a second wind and something like the fifth round I think he came back I think he was pretty tired and went in and was kind of surviving through the fourth uh, but he threw a lot of leg kicks and and was really smart be that as it may um he was wrong even then Shab was wrong and Brian Callen was right but he doesn't offer mea culpas or say I was wrong and that's what pisses me off because and you guys might say well okay DJ so it pisses you off so what but what you don't understand is that 
major people, you know, Brendan Schaub was on ESPN for a period of time. He did a lot of analysis on ESPN. Um, Joe Rogan is listened to worldwide by people who watch MMA. And when he's saying things like, she's an upcultural icon, there's nobody that can beat her. She's the greatest thing I've ever seen. He's crying on his podcast, talking about, thinking about his daughter when she beat Betch Cohea. Talking about uh, that um, that she's not just the best now. She's the best in human history. She's not or once in, or I think I think the quote was it's not once in a lifetime. It's once ever. When you say it's once ever, that means past and future. Ever means forever. Now, how fucking stupid is it? to say about any fighter, John Jones, Demetrius, it's once ever. How fucking stupid is that? How do we know that there's not a kid right now training in an academy with amazing wrestling that's going to be better than John Jones, better than DJ? Oh, well, I can't envision it. It's not pa. How do you know? Yeah, but these guys can do it. You don't know. You can't say once ever because ever is forever. It means future and past. And Joe's quote was, it's not once in a lifetime, it's once ever. That's what's so ridiculous. That's the hyperbole these guys are trafficking in that is then picked up by the mainstream media and it's echoed. Because these guys don't know shit about MMA, and I don't mean Joe Rogan and Schaub. They both know more than I do, right? But the mainstream media doesn't know shit, and the mainstream sports media. So they take cues from people like Brendan Schaub, who's on um, ESPN, and like Joe Rogan. And then they echo that stuff. And that's when you see Ronda Rousey on all these morning shows. And they build up in her head... That she's better than she is. And they build up expectations that now leave her in a hole. When in fact, she was a great fighter. She may still be a great fighter in the future. I don't know. She was a great fighter. And that's enough. She was a great fighter. Does that sound good? Does that sound like high praise? Ronda Rousey is a great fighter. She's the best. Not it's not once in a lifetime. It's once ever. Do we need to do that? You will never hear me say on any podcast I've had on the Nakoa MMA show, on the ULT MMA show, even when it was the Nakoa MMA podcast on the DJ MMA show. None of my shows have you ever heard me say about a fighter. This guy or this girl is once ever because it's stupid, because we don't know. We don't know who's coming up that is going to be better than anybody else out there today. Did we know Demetrius Johnson, when he got his ass kicked by Dominic Cruz, he's going to be doing what he is today? Did we know that? No, we didn't know. Did we know that, uh, you know, when Matt Hughes was killing it, when he was, you know, toying with Hoist Gracie, 
until he armbarred him, popped his arm, and ended up having to get rescued in that fight by John McCarthy? Did we know that uh, George St. Pierre was going to be so great? No? Do we know Tyron Woodley was going to come along, being able to wrestle like he does and blast people? Who knows how great he's going to be? We don't know. He may not be as great as George St. Pierre, but we don't know. Certainly hits harder than uh, George St. Pierre, and he's getting better. Now, that last fight, you know, it was a big stinker, but who knows? The point is, is that you can say someone is a great, you can say someone is an all-timer. Like I say, to me, Draymond Green is an all-timer on the Golden State Warriors. You don't have to say, you can say Ronda Rousey is a great fighter. You don't have to say, it's once done in a lifetime, it's once ever. Because you sound like an idiot when you say that. And then you put an expectation in people's mind that nobody can live up to. That's not Rhonda's fault. That is the fault of the people who espoused and and proliferated that opinion throughout the media. You know, when when certain people fight, when when Tyron Woodley fought Stephen Thompson, did you think Anderson Cooper was tracking who was going to win that fight? You think these people knew? No. Or care. But when Ronda Rousey's fighting, I guarantee you everybody in the newsroom from ESPN to CNN to Deadspin to TMZ to everybody want to know was tracking the results of those fights. And you know why? It's not once in a lifetime. It's once ever. And you know what else? It's she can beat men. She can beat Floyd Mayweather. She can beat 135-pound UFC men. Shab, I've seen her grapple with UFC fighters, men, and dominate them. Really? Who? That is the problem. And there's a difference when somebody's rolling with someone and when someone's rolling and putting out full pressure and using all their weight and everything like that. It's just like when I, and, and then not to say that there isn't a million jiu-jitsu girls out there who couldn't kill me, but I've rolled with a, a, you know, a large teenage girl and I don't use all my weight on her because I don't think it's fair. Much of her parents tell me to put all my weight on her and I just won't. And a lot of guys may roll like that. I'm sure they do. Like as we've said in the past, I'm sure when Paige Van Zandt was training a team alpha male, she was training with a lot of men and she may have been able to do some things in there that that they allowed her to do that then became artificial when she got in the cage and someone was given 100% resistance. It is very difficult to train with someone and to know the appropriate amount of resistance. So Rhonda training with men and rolling with men, I doubt she dominated men, UFC men, in a real grappling match. That's not me being sexist, because Mackenzie Dern could probably tap out a lot of guys. Um, not probably, she can. Um, but still, okay, so I have seen 
silver and gold medal champions in IBJJF in my gym get, you know, I don't want to, you know what, I don't even want to identify, but let's just say it like this. I have seen women who were IBJJF champion role with guys that were also black belts that were not very big and the guy tapped the girl out several times because he was going a lot closer to 100% than what I thought he would. So I'll just leave it at that. Um, all right. I'm not going to belabor the point anymore. I think you guys get it. But you build up expectations in people's mind. Now, granted, the, the amount of voices, right now, Shab's voice, he is one voice going against 20 or 30 different boxing or MMA writers that don't give Connor a chance to, to win a round. So he's trying to be... For and I'm sure he believes what he's saying, the contrarian this thing, and give his opinion. And I think that's great that he's standing behind Connor, a fellow MMA fighter. What I object to is injecting the hyperbole in it, which he's done in the past. He was proven wrong. He never came out and said that he was wrong. And I will bet you, if Floyd wins this fight going away and Connor experiences no success, he's not going to say anything. Ah, well, yeah, you know, I. Yeah, I thought he was going to do sad, good, but he didn't, yeah. And the thing is, is just calm down. You don't need to be the champion, Conor McGregor's champion, because you were proven wrong in the first Nate Diaz fight. He did better in the second Nate Diaz fight when he came in better and better condition, utilized leg kicks, uh, had brought in a jiu-jitsu coach and, and uh, wrestling coaches, and he had done much better in the second fight. Obviously, he won a decision. Close decision, but he won a decision. And he probably won it by leg kicking him in the first couple of rounds. Be, th be that as it may, um, you were proven wrong in the first fight. You were proven wrong about Rousey. And you could possibly be proven wrong about McGregor here. But it's not necessary to be hyperbolic in doing so. Because you know that the guys on the other side don't respect MMA. I don't care. You don't care. None of us care. We don't care what Max Kellerman says about MMA. I couldn't give a shit because he doesn't know anything about MMA. And he is standing up for his sport and we can stand up for ours. But that doesn't mean that we have to make dumb predictions about it and call Connor the A-side and say he's going to win rounds and all. Just calm down, man. It's going to be okay. And when you make a mistake, just come out there and say, you know what? I was wrong. And I'll tell you what. I, in, you know, analyzing the sport since 2010, I've been wrong several times, and I come out and say I was wrong. And I'll tell you, I picked something, I picked a fighter, I thought this was going to happen, and I was wrong. I've had some really good ones that I picked along the way, and I've had a few stinkers. Sometimes I'm dead wrong, like I was with Yaya Rodriguez. I was dead wrong. He is going to have to do a lot of work on his grappling and wrestling before he can uh, contend. But I like his chances against somebody like a Max Holloway. Unless he gets taken down. Then he's going to be in trouble. So um, anyway. Alright. Guys. Uh, thank you for uh, tuning in for another one of my rants. Um, there really wasn't a lot I wanted to talk about. Congratulations to Holly Holm. Um, she really suckered in uh, Betch Cohea. Uh, I think Betch thought that... Um, that uh, she had something for Holly she was going to waver in. I, I, 
you know, I think it's cool what she did that um, she wasn't going to just stand pat. She wanted to push the pace, push the action, and see if she could um, uh, get um, uh, Holly to do something stupid, engage in a little bit more of a physical battle, and she wasn't able to uh, to do that, and she ended up really paying the price for that. So, um, so anyway, um, I want to thank you guys for listening. Once again, it is... Um, We'll, you know, I, I really got to get it done as far as getting on iTunes, but it is uh, MMA underscore BJJ underscore and life on Twitter. DJ San Marco one, DJ S A N M A R C O one at Gmail. If you want to tell me how terrible the show is, you wish I'd shut up, or that um, it's actually not terrible. Here's a little bit of in excess to take us out. And I want to thank you guys for listening. And um, I'm looking forward to uh, the next UFC card that's going to have Michael Chiesa and uh, Kevin Lee in the hopper. We're still looking at having on uh, Combat Controller when, uh, as a life episode. We want to talk about uh, some wartime stuff with uh, my friend uh, Robert Gutierrez, who um, is a Combat Controller who earned, I think it was a Silver Star or the Air Force Cross being wounded in combat as part of a uh, special forces a team in afghanistan and uh, continued to uh, put fire and call for fire uh, after he had been shot through the lungs and uh, had a couple bullets come in and out of his uh, torso and uh, rob was still able to bring the fight uh, and then before he went to uh, the hospital and had a fight for his life Um, just a phenomenal guy rob gutierrez and i hope uh uh, we, we should be having him on, um, as well as um, uh, we're going to do some more MMA stuff with uh, Tristan Critchfield, and then uh, I'm sure we'll have some jiu-jitsu stuff coming up, leading up to the next EBI. So, uh, and of course, we'll talk about uh, Kevin Lee versus Michael Chiesa in Oklahoma City. It's going to be awesome. So, thank you for tuning in, everybody. It's MMA, BJJ, and life. I'm a curious person. Um, I wish you guys uh, great travels, and I always am wondering what's up around the bend.